Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, crucial role as high fits. Compassion, great passion, fiction, ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training, pain. Pain. (laughs) Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to another epic episode of The Row Show. And today we have such a cool show for you guys. But as always, it's myself, Lawrence Britton, and with me. It is Jake Green, and today on the show, we have one Olympic gold medalist from the Tokyo Games and world's best time holder in none other than the lightweight men's double skulls, and that is Fintan McCarthy. And I know this has been a huge uh, request from a lot of listeners out there. You know, our little shortlist that we have, this is, you know, we get this name a lot. And chatting to Fintan about his experiences, it was incredible. And Lawrence and I have always been a massive fan of lightweight rowing and uh, huge respect for lightweights out there. And I really wanted to get another lightweight on the show. You know, we don't have enough of them. And just chatting to Fintin about racing in such a tough and brutal and competitive event such as the lightweight men's double skulls was awesome. Yeah, and being like so dominant in in such a brutal event is is was really cool to get that dynamic. Uh, I think my favorite part of the show was when he just roasts me straight out the blocks. You know, I always say I'm not great with the with the names, but I I started the show. I tried to I tried my luck, and you know, straight away he's like, "No, it's Fintan McCarthy. Please respect me." So uh, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed Someone's that. And then, again, yeah, I just <laughs> and then again, just what a cool guy, what a cool episode, and I uh, thought we 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 really had a cool chat with him. You know, just going into the details of you know performing in a in a such a tough boat class and also getting into the the boat um with paula donovan was you know something uh you know very difficult and hectic um selections and and all of that so you know just going through all of that was 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 really really cool to to listen to and to understand you know how that process works in in ireland yeah and then i think also you know, Vincent gave a lot of insight into just like the the training and the racing. And you know, if you if you have done any sort of research into his racing, you know that the Irish Lighty Double does incredibly um, consistent splits in their racing. And I just thought that was absolutely fascinating to speak about. You know, racing at when they broke the world's best time, they did one thirty ones every single five hundred, and all of their um, splits were within 0.07 of a second. How's that for consistency? So just chatting to the training and just you know what absolute beasts they are and what they have to do to get to that level was, you know, was really you know really interesting and a lot of you know there are a lot of notes that I took away personally and 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 just you know stuff to think about for my own athletic uh, journey and I'm sure you know any listener out there that's you know, th- th- this is going to be a golden, a golden episode for for this kind of stuff. For sure, and I mean, I know Jake, you said it already, but I think I don't know if James Thompson would have heard you there, but they <laughs> broke the world record, Jake. Uh, Jake, they took it. I know they from broke James it. And John. They took it from James and John, and uh, I know how upset they were about that. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! 
Um, cool. So I think uh, just uh, the housekeeping. Thanks for for listening to the show, guys. Share it. Tell your friends. Tell your parents to listen to the show. Share it on your social media. Tag us and uh, yeah, send us a message and uh, send us your request for for the next guest that you want. As always, a huge shout out to our patrons. You guys are legends, and you keep the show going. You keep us. Um, you keep uh, us under the pump and you make sure that uh, that we're getting the, the the quality out to to everyone um in a timely fashion welcome ladies and gentlemen to another episode of the row show and today we are chatting to finton mccarthy from ireland finton thanks for coming on the show and giving us some of your time thanks for having me as well yeah really excited to to get this one done yeah, Finton was just telling us he was just telling us about how Martin Cross is butchering his his name <laughs> pronunciation on the in, the in the world rowing. So we're just going to do a quick correction there. Um, Finton, we're getting that right. Yes, perfect. Yeah, awesome. no, it's funny. Martin started that trend, but everyone back home started calling me Fintan as well these days. So <laughs> <laughs> that's my name yeah. in the rowing center. <laughs> I see. Well, this is the the road to redemption, yeah. 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 So I think you know to to start things to start things off, we, you know, obviously the the lightweight men's double is definitely out there with you know one of the most entertaining events to watch, and it has been like that for a very long time, especially now that it's been narrowed down to one event for you know lightweight rows to race in, and you know. I want to start by talking about your journey into, you know, the lightweight boats. I'm sure it must have been quite a task um, to get selected for a world champion boat from the get-go. I think a lot of, you know, the selection that most people have to go through is not at that kind of stake. And I think for you, especially looking at your results, it looked like it was a a very steep um, curve to get onto that level of elite racing. And I think, just talk to us a bit about like your journey getting into the lightweight double and you know what the selection process was like and and maybe chat to us about how did your mindset mindset shift once you knew that you were in a, a world champion boat and you managed to earn your uh, place in a you know in a winning boat yeah um yeah definitely a pretty steep learning curve but i guess it it kind of it kind of all started at the the world champs in in Plovdiv in 2018 because um we were there um cause we kind of just come out of the on 23s and we were there in the lightweight quad so you know it was really good to to get some racing done there and watch obviously Gary and Paul win the double that year was just unreal um I re- still remember sitting there watching it and just kind of thinking like oh that would be so good like I want to do that <laughs> um yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where it all started. And that was our last year uh, as under-23s as well. So it was kind of not looking great for us uh, rowing (laughs) prospect-wise. So I think we knew that next year Paul would be starting his his kind of medical school stuff. And Gary was heading away to New Zealand as well for the winter. So we kind of, me and my brother Jake, uh, knew that we might have a shot at the Europeans because, um, you know, Paul would probably still be in college and we weren't sure what Gary would be up to. So we kind of said, look, 
we haven't really got much to lose. And we it was our last year in uni that year as well. So we kind of just said, look, we'll we'll train as hard as we can, try and go well at the European champs, and then kind of go from there. So we did. Uh, that's what we did. Like we had a pretty tough. We had a pretty tough winter's training. Probably, um, yeah, one of our hardest winters up till then, definitely. Um, cause, because the, the lads were away, our coach, Dominic, he was like, he was just being really hard on us, like making us. Yeah, um, you guys were the, the guinea pigs that were left behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, re- some really hard sessions that winter. But yeah, I guess it obviously stood to us. And then once we got to the summer that year, we did a race in Pedluco in Italy. And I think we picked up a bronze medal there on the first day and had some really good races against the Belgians and the Italians. So we were kind of like, oh, holy shit, like we're actually not that slow. <laughs> like we going into that, we thought we were going to get absolutely hammered. Like, But um, so after that, then we had a camp in Italy where we made some big gains as well. Did some good, some good 2K scores after that. And then we went to the Europeans and came fifth. So, like, we were pretty chuffed with that, making a final. It was our first, like, proper senior regatta as well, apart from the world champs in the quad. But, you know, our first go in the Olympic bowl. So, yeah, we were pretty happy. And uh, then after that, it was kind of decided that the double would be opened up. So, me... Jake, me and my brother Jake, um, and Gary and Paul. Then we started training together uh, over that summer, kind of just swapping, swapping combinations, and that's kind of how it all started, really. Um, do you want me to like keep going? <laughs> there's loads. There's loads. Yeah, of no, stuff no, we're good. We're good. We just we'll 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 get there. I mean, Jake's off to to Peluco when uh, tomorrow On Saturday. Tomorrow. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we're actually going as well. Oh, we're okay. Yeah, we'll see you guys over there. Yeah. yeah. If Jake we're gets there, Jake has to, find his COVID, he has to find his COVID vaccine before he is uh, allowed to travel. Oh, yeah, no. listen to any listeners out there. My biggest nemesis in, in, the, in the rowing world is no athlete or regatta or event. It is traveling. It is my crutch. I hate it. It kills me. <laughs> have, you, have you had the, the booster? Yeah, I haven't had the booster yet. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, the spanner that works for this tour. But I, I've got the, I got the negative PCR test, so I'll be on okay, my way to Pedluca at least. Yeah, <laughs> that's oh, got man, nothing I... to do with, with his, um, with with South Africa. That's got all to do with Jake <laughs> not getting the booster. No, that's with that's just purely Jake. I'm not the best when it comes to these things. Oh man, I don't blame you though. It it knocked me out literally. I was, I was good week and a half recovering from it oh yeah. man the That's when rough. our team first before tokyo when we first got the the jab you know our team was like we got it and like we've had so many vaccines because of you know we travel to up to the mountains in lesotho and all sorts so we like we always packed full of of vaccines and then so i was like cool another one no problems we get to training the next day and there's like two guys out of like you know the whole team so we were, we were all pretty man down yeah, it was yeah, it was very similar for us before Tokyo as well. Mm. 
So yeah. I want to talk because like the one of the things that I find like just and obviously you you chatted about it before, but the the fact that like you had to go into this double that was winning already and two brothers, like it must have been what is the dynamic like when you guys were all training together and swapping crews and stuff? Because I mean, it's it you know, you you had so many quality athletes there and you know, you obviously building so much speed, but it must have been quite a stressful situation to to find yourself in yeah you know i think like given given the circumstances probably should have been a lot more stressful than it was but just because you know like me and jake grew up around gary and paul like they were they're always around the rowing club because we're all from the same town and the same place yeah skip so they like it was kind of just a normal a normal situation of training going down to training mm. seeing the lads except we were just in the boat with them this time because the year before as well we'd done a bit of training next to them as well because we you know they were doing their stuff in in the senior rankings so we we trained we've trained with them pretty much all our or trained in close proximity to them in um for pretty much our whole rowing careers so uh, the difference was, I guess, that we were just in the in the boat with them this time. Going back, because you mentioned that you're all from Skibbereen, like what is happening in Skibbereen that's making <laughs> all these uh, quality athletes? And do you think their training and their build up to um, to 2016 had like a huge uh, impact on on you and your brother? Yeah, I think definitely. Like they, to be fair, they kind of they kind of taught us how to how to train and how to row so we we had it easy um they probably made found the best way of doing it for them and you know i think we're always improving it as well so we kind of just jumped on the bandwagon then and and started seeing some big gains yeah i mean because it's a bit similar for us because like we had the lightweight to one in 2012 and they also like you know just watching them train and and just seeing that they're not superhumans but they're also doing things really properly and like just kind of learning where that line is and then i think that's also what fed us really well to to 2016 except uh we just did it the other way around you went uh, they went uh island went silver gold and we went gold silver yeah so. i remember they were um <laughs> I, I listened to the james thompson episode it was probably the first road i've ever listened to it was, it was on the it was on the the plane to lose her yeah. in that year in 2019 to the europeans and yeah hooked ever since <laughs> and that's quite a that's a classic i would classify that as a classic oh sweet yeah that was such a good one. But that was an awesome one because we did that in person yeah and it must have felt we, we're going to jump around a bit but oh, it must have felt really sweet after listening you know to his episode and just knowing kind of athlete he was and then you managed to take his his world record at uh in 2021 yeah um john actually messaged me that night being like well done but (laughs) (laughs) i said i i said to him though i was like uh at least you had it for seven years like there are some girls that day who had the world record for about 10 minutes oh man yeah 10 (laughs) minutes that's true that is true now we also we we get every chance we get we like to uh give a bit of shit to james and john about the fact that they lost their record 
<laughs> by the the slimmest of margins. Yeah, but the slimmest of margins is also the biggest. It's also but the biggest actually, margins. And actually, this is like the biggest world record to hold, I think, because you know if, if you know they keep talking about how they're going to take lightweight rowing out of the game. So James and John were even speaking like. You know, if they just make it oh, to Tokyo, yes. they'll hold the world record basically forever because they, no one will, no one will get it, and then they couldn't hold it. So, uh, and they added uh, Lightweights back for for Paris. But you know that I mean, if you guys again, if you hold it till after the games, I mean, there's a good chance no one will ever be able to break that record again. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. It was funny because because the margin was so slim as well. Our our like GMT prog or whatever in the team hasn't yeah. changed. So <laughs> we did it. We did it. Uh, we were smart about yeah, it. You know? Yeah, you know, not doing it, not beating it too much. While we're talking about it, I looked at your split profile for that race. And I have to say it is the most disgusting split profile I've ever seen. And I think to the listeners out there that um, that have spent any sort of time looking at numbers, they rode a 131 uh 3.6 then a 31.35 a 31.29 and then a 31.33 that is outrageous did you guys know that you 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 were on good nick and and the record was on or was it just that was just the race that you guys had yeah well we'd had some pretty good race pieces kind of leading into the regatta we we actually did our kind of pre-olympic camp in bagnola so the water isn't that quick there but we still had some good times. And then in our camp before Lucerne, we had some really good races against like the heavyweight men. And we were doing around, you know, around that 100% for the for some 1Ks and stuff like that. So we probably did know if the, we had the right conditions, it could be done. But I think during the race, Paul said he had no idea. And I was literally just staring at the speed coach like... Oh man, there's so many 130s here. Like it's surely gonna happen. <laughs> but and then it was getting it was getting really rough too. So yeah, I think I hit hit the water a couple of times in the last 500. And I was like, okay, just focus on rowing here because otherwise, yeah, because there's <laughs> there's also uh, uh, one of your your um, what you call it, one of your uh, uh, competitors fell in the water in in one of the races. So you know it was oh, yeah. it was a tricky event. Yeah, that day was was pretty pretty wild. Um, I think, but I I said it after we'd won the race. So I was like, oh, surely that's a world record to fall. And he was like, oh, I've no idea. I wasn't I wasn't looking. <laughs> and then I was like, oh god, I hope I didn't say that. And it's oh, not. No. And then we saw the margin when we came yeah. in, and it was like point zero three faster. <laughs> but you also rode every every five hundred of your race within point zero seven of a second so i mean that is that's crazy consistency yeah um, i don't no, think that's, i've ever that's seen really a race impressive i don't think i've ever seen that either and also just going into that a bit finton it's obviously it's obviously a a race profile that you guys you know have identified that is obviously extremely effective and chat to us about how how did you guys develop that um and like how what what was the mindset how did you change the mindset to get to get that sort of split profile? Because it is a bit unorthodox. Most crews will have a, you know, a bit of a fade in the middle and then pick it up again at the end. Whereas you guys just run, just even splits it, or even sometimes you guys get faster throughout the race. So, chat to us. Give us a little bit of insight into 
you know the 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 split profile and the the the, the reasoning behind it. Yeah, like to be honest, it's not something that we've like sat down and planned and talked about really. I think it's just it's it comes down to it comes down a lot to how we train. You know, like in all our intervals and stuff, we usually kind of get going in the middle few and then get faster in the in the last one and stuff like that. And um yeah, I think it's just it's just kind of happened all our kind of erg tests would 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 be the same like we'd have quite big last 500s compared to the middle um but i guess that's that's actually kind of contradictory because yeah even split the race. yeah but, but i think to even split uh, a race on like on your speed your your actual power has to be going up exponentially throughout the race i think to to keep and that, to and like, your effort level too it looks even yeah, but it looks even, but it's actually I think like your effort level is going up and up and up to to keep that that speed the same. Yeah, I guess that actually yeah. makes sense. And then, but, but I and I also think it's really hard to change because you know, like I remember, you know, me and Sean, we would race, and I mean, it's, I mean, you do so many races. I mean, you, it, there wasn't that many races for Tokyo, but be building up to Rio, we were doing race after race, and. Sean and I, we would always be really fast at the start and then we'd have the world's worst 500 in the second 500 and then we'd come back online like huge in this third 500. And we tried everything to change it. We would train, like our whole training was trying to, was based around making our second 500 faster. And then Rio came and we probably did it the worst we'd done it the whole season. I and mean, we were first to the <laughs> 500, we were fifth to the, the thousand meter mark. So it's, um, I think that pattern of like just how you race as, like, as a crew, once it starts to like develop and form, I think it's really, really hard to, to change. Yeah, I think so too. Like in, in Linz that year, we were hopeless off the start. Like I think we were, we were like three seconds down at the at the five hundred or something. So we have we did manage to rectify that a bit this year, even though yeah. we did we didn't have a great start in Lutheran, but not not as yeah, bad. Yeah, but I mean, like, so before we the, get oh, sorry, ahead, I just want to say the confidence you must have knowing that you can maintain that sort of speed in the middle of the race, even if you do get dropped off the off the blocks. You know, in the back of your head, like, listen, we got to steamroll this thing one thirty ones. And we, you, you know that your competitors are going to go off. They're going to take it off two seconds in the second 500. So I'm sure even though you might get dropped off the blocks, there just is that confidence that it's going to come through in the middle. And it's actually really reminiscent of the, of the Kiwi pair because the Kiwi pair used to race exactly like that too. Just, you know, not slow out the blocks, but, you know, they hit an even kill and then they just steamroll the, the rest of the way. Yeah, definitely. I think I noticed that probably a bit more this year because I was maybe just a bit more relaxed and like aware of what's going on instead of just trying to like put my blade in but once yeah once you can feel yourself like coming back on the rest of the field and it's well I'm not gonna say it's easy but like you know you know you can keep going and go more if you need to yeah that's a I think that's a really good feeling and definitely gives you a lot of confidence for like the next regatta the next race and I think that that, like flat race profile does require like it it requires time to build that confidence to 
continuously like because you got to build the trust in yourself that okay we're going to come through the thousand and then we're going to get faster and i think you can't like without winning you can't build that very easily and then so we want to jump back because obviously we're going to get to to the tokyo race but what was it like uh the first world champs back in in 2019 you know you you you've you raced in the lightweight quad the year before you finished fifth and now you're sitting on the start line and you know that there's a, a world um, champion race in your in your repertoire. What is it like going into that race knowing that uh, that it can it can happen and how did you deal with the, the nerves coming down the track? Um, I think by the time we got to the final, I probably wasn't as much of a nervous yeah. wreck. <laughs> but... Um, it, that whole season was kind of, you know, like we were saying earlier, like such a steep learning curve from from Rotterdam, you know, the, the whole speed coach thing. Yeah. And we were going to ask about it. Yeah, we the were speed quite coach close. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because we were quite close to the Germans at that regatta, and we we beat the Norwegians as well. So, um. I kind of knew if we had a good another you know good block of training, then we'd we'd be definitely able to to win the world champs. But it was kind of more about just gaining confidence and and stuff throughout that regatta because I think we ended up having like four races, which um you know with a quarter and stuff. So with each with each i think we won every race at that world champs and with each one of those wins it was kind of looking more and more like oh i could can actually do this yeah. thing like <laughs> it might actually might actually work out so uh yeah and then in the final we got dropped yeah i see start. that three seconds and there's it's, like it's quite it's quite outrageous there yeah <laughs> you must be so confident yeah. lining up like yo when every race i've got to start the race like oh shit people yeah. are lining up here for world champs yeah. the only thing was it was like a pretty bad headwind that day so i knew the race was going to be long which always kind of stands to us because yeah i just you guys keep getting faster and everyone fit. else keeps getting slow <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um I th i'm pretty sure our first 500 is probably the slowest um of 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 the oh, sorry what am i saying the slowest 500 of that race it was, maybe it was a, i've got, got it out here it was the second slow it's second it was the second slower than the next closest but it was the slowest yeah. one yeah so not ideal but then you know then again when when we were kind of back up with the italians and the germans by that halfway and then um i think we were pretty close to them at the 1500 as well if not ahead. Um, and then it's just a sprint to the line, really, isn't it? Yeah, and then, I mean, the, by the end of it, you know, you, Fintan, you were standing in Austria, world champion. You know, there must have been an incredible feeling. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure for someone like you, you come from a small town in Ireland, standing on top of the, you know, the, the podium in a, a sport like rowing must have been an incredible feeling at, at Linz. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because um, it was the first big one as well. Like, I haven't, I haven't, won any other medals before that on, at a yeah, world not even at a 23 level. level as well yeah exactly and um yeah it was 
you know, the first one's always going to be pretty good, I think. Yeah. And we had the men's double win a silver that year, and Sunita obviously won as well. So it was oh, just yeah. like such a good buzz. Yeah. And my family were there too, which was which was really nice. Oh, that's so cool. Because I mean, yeah. Ireland. I mean, even we we spoke about this the other day, but the the Irish have had a you know they've had a crazy last cycle. You know, from winning the the the, the, the first medal in in Rio, then to to having so many results and so many athletes and and crews and combinations coming through. Uh, it's just been really cool to watch, and I'm sure it's been even a lot cooler to to be part of it and and to see those changes happening. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been it's been great. You know, we were we were just talking about it the other night. Uh, we were all together for this um, Olympic Team Ireland ball thing, and it, the last few years, especially, have just been crazy. Like the some of the things I've seen those girls do on the erg is disgusting like they mm. do some savage training and savage splits but you don't really you know in the moment in you know on the day to day you don't really realize it you're just like oh yeah there's training but yeah it's been a it's been a savage few years yeah i mean, I mean like it's I, th- I feel like you know rowing even though you're in the in the different different boat classes when it comes to racing at the olympics and the world championships you still, it's it's quite a big team sport because at those events there is a bit of separation when you're racing your events. Um, but you know, at home you train <clears throat> you train as a team at least in a centralized system like um, like we do. You train as a team, and it's it's so important to develop a strong culture within that team because it's not just about you know making yourself fast. Obviously, we all motivated by very selfish uh, ideas that you want to be as fast as possible, but to be as fast as possible, you also need, you know, your peers, you know, to, to keep breaking boundaries because you'll never be able to reach your potential if you don't have other people around you pushing you um, in that kind of direction. So, you know, it, it makes complete sense. And even when we spoke to uh, Philip, he also, you know, said a lot uh, just how, how fast the goals were, also on the prognostics and like just that continuously pushing them and pushing them and pushing them to get faster and faster. So, you know, I think that that team culture must be a huge element in the success in your team. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. We actually don't do much training with them because our kind of lightweight group is a bit separate in the, in terms of the training, but sometimes we, you know, we join up for race pieces and it's like, it's like a regatta, like, they are out for blood <laughs> and so are we and you know you get let off um say if you're doing a piece you get let off uh yeah the stagger the gaps yeah between the the frogs and you're just like killing yourself trying to pass them um yeah i think i think yeah yeah we've we've had some pretty brutal races race sessions against against those guys but we've i mean so they've obviously and training hard but we've heard some outrageous stories and um rumors from the from the public about what you guys were doing over the over the last uh you know few years and how hardcore your training is so maybe just give us uh and give us and the the listeners just a little taste to like what maybe what the hardest session you've done is or you know if anything pops into your mind like what is what's a what is a week in in yeah. uh, Fintan's life look like pre pre Tokyo well, as soon as 
as soon as you said hardest session, <laughs> there's one that comes into my mind straight away. Um, yeah. We were on camp. We were on camp in Spain. I won't give you the. I won't give give you the full program, but in this particular no, session, book of secrets. Yeah, yeah. This session is is one of our sessions. We do eight times two k. Um, kind of like it's supposed to be like thresholds, you know, rate rate twenty eight, rate thirty, kind of thing. Um, and just this one day, we I was in a I was in a double with you know Shane O'Driscoll from the Lightweight Men's Pair. Uh, yeah, so, I think so. Um, we were in double with uh, I was in double with him, and Gary and Paul were in another double, and we just went at each other for eight two oh, Ks. Man. At like Ray 34, 35, 36, sprinting, <laughs> doing big starts. Um, and we were doing, we were getting our lactates done during the session. And our physiologist was like, guys, you need to stop this. Like, what What are you doing? <laughs> we were like hitting 18s in the, in the middle of the session. Oh, man. And uh, yeah, that was the most brutal day of rowing I've done, I'd say. You you always get carried away, especially when it gets tight like that in training, you know, and you've got multiple pieces and it actually doesn't even matter about the next piece because it's about that current stroke. You know, I remember yeah. so clearly I did a session. It's still one of the hardest sessions I've ever done. We did this session back in 2010. I was rowing in the, in the pair with John uh, Smith and they put the women's heavyweight team had put a four on the water. And we were doing, I can't even remember. It wasn't like supposed to, again, it wasn't supposed to be really hard, but it was just, we were matched like perfectly. There was no, their hardest stroke, our hardest stroke was the same speed. So it was just so brutal because every stroke you were like just looking for anything to to give you an edge and, you know, you're not yeah. getting anything. And I know exactly that feeling is, it's really hard, but it's also really rewarding to to have those kind of sessions because that's where you really feel the, the steel and feel where your limits are. Yeah, definitely. I remember as well during the summer in 2020, um, I was I was in the single against our lightweight women's double as well, and again it was just like perfectly matched. Every piece of session was just absolutely disgusting. Yeah, I think it's those. It's those sort of, uh, you know, training pieces where it's so tight, you know, you you always want to try and uh, mimic what it's like racing overseas at home. And <clears throat> you never can, but I mean, those, those for me, those are the sessions that, that kind of just get, get put, you start putting yourself in, in that kind of space where you're dealing with that sort of pressure and just the, 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 the absolute physical toll that I think it takes. Mm. For, yeah, for sure. But I think an, uh, another yeah. time, and we're going to jump again, but another time where, where we saw that, you know, two crews really at the absolute limit is the, the Tokyo final with you guys and the, the Germans. I mean, that is, for me, is one of the best races of the games because it's like, it's just so close between us. It looks like both crews are having the absolute best race they can have and putting it all out there. You know, the Germans were, were right there all the way and you know only right at the end did you just start to sneak that that edge on them and there was a big chunk of time where it was just stroke for stroke just you know battling it out and and waiting for for that small crack to to see if you can you know get that advantage yeah yeah that was that was a pretty brutal one as well yeah. um 
I can't remember much from the actual race, <laughs> to be fair. Um, there, but there are kind of sections of it that that stick out, like that, like coming into the last five hundred. Um, like when I think back, I don't know how I was so chilled, like during the race. <laughs> I was going, I was, I, I was going hard, obviously, but I was just kind of, you know, mentally chilled out, like, oh yeah, they're there, that's fine just go hard now for the last 500 because i probably expected to be ahead of them at that point but yeah they i think we might have gone through the 1500 like a tiny tiny bit ahead but then they they went ahead of us again which is quite unusual for them and for you guys yeah it doesn't usually happen at all so when that happened i was i I was just like, yeah, 40 strokes left of the Olympic final. Just go as hard as you can. Oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you guys have developed such a strong... Obviously, we spoke about the split profile earlier. And then, you know, you 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 raced at Lucerne before. And, and I think you guys have probably almost one of your more dominant race performances in the final at Lucerne. And, you know, just to see, I think, huge kudos out out to, you know, um to the, to the Germans. Because, you know, Jason and Jonathan, they brought everything they had for the final. And I think after the results in Lucerne, I don't think people were expecting, ah, actually, I'm not going to say that, but the the race that unfolded was definitely something that was above and beyond expectations. Maybe put it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I've spoke to them since and after, and, you know, we've both said it was probably one of the, the best races that both of us could have put out so like you know that's really really good to hear as well that they could have couldn't have done any more yeah and we couldn't have done any more and that's just the way it worked out yeah because obviously you know if we if we had done our you know if we'd put our best race out there and, and won the silver medal there you know there's nothing more we could have done yeah and then so it was nice to hear that they you know that they had that and we had that as exactly because well. like there's a lot of crews out there that'll be like oh you know if we hadn't made that mistake or if we hadn't if that hadn't happened you know if we had felt a bit better we could have won or something whereas i do feel like your race even watching it i was like wow those are that's that's the two the germans have just put their absolute best race on and you know and that also makes it better for you guys to know that on their best day you still came out on top so it's uh it's really 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 cool yeah, definitely. And I think we were, I think we were both like seven seconds ahead of the Italians or something, which was ridiculous because they're a fast yeah. crew. Um, so that, I guess, yeah, that just goes to show that it just went perfectly for, for the two of us on, on the day. Because I think we still did like a 6.06 or something. And the times from that day, I don't think they're as quick. No, as the not as the the semi not as fast as the day before that's for sure yeah so to get to yeah to do a 606 on on that day was pretty pretty good going yeah yeah and then you know finishing the race and we were just talking about the the feeling of standing on top of uh, the podium at Linz, but then you know standing on top of the podium in, in tokyo with the gold medal i think Finton just, you know, what a champ. And it must have been, it's so hard to describe the feeling of winning a gold medal. But, you know, I'm going to try to l- <laughs> let you do your best at attempting to describe what it felt like to be on top there. 
Yeah. Um, pretty fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was I think just that's like the best way to put it. The, the you know, the culmination of of lockdown and the years training, like the year of training we did. I hope I won't ever have to do again because it was it was horrible. But it just to have it all work out and and go our way was was brilliant. And obviously the girls had finished. Um, the you know Phil and Ron had finished, so they were all there at the finish line too. And our coach and it was just yeah, it was so good to to see them. You know, straight after the race, and they were buzzing, we were buzzing. So yeah, pretty good, pretty good day. That's so awesome. No, it's a it's a pretty good moment. And Vincent, chat to us about the you know the woman, the Irish woman's for winning that bronze medal in in Tokyo because you know when when Lawrence and I you know with the podcast we obviously spent a lot of time you know, looking at, at crews and, 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 you know, trying to figure out, you know, who's going to do well, who's not going to do well. And at the late qualification regatta, the, the Irish wins four was definitely one of the crews we looked at and was like, based off how fast they're rowing, this is a hundred percent going to be a, a medal contender at the Olympic games. And, you know, they, they rolled up to the Olympics in Tokyo and, you know, after such a big break from, you know, racing in 2019, they went to the, um, they went to the late qualification and then racing at Olympic Games and getting that bronze medal. Not only is that, you know, such a massive result for uh, rowing in Ireland as well, but especially women's rowing. And it, and for you, you know, you've spoken about the, the, the respect you have for them. It must have been a, a great feeling watching them, you know, come away with the bronze medal. Yeah, well, I actually didn't see it because we were we were getting ready for our semi. So we were kind of, um, you know, putting on our ice jackets and stuff. And then the our physio i think came in and told us they got the bronze so we were like oh sweet and then did our race or whatever but then seeing them after we were having our meal i think at the course after the after the semi um yeah after our race and they were just you know on top of the world running around with their medals so yeah i think it gave definitely mm. gave me a bit of a boost anyway i was like i want one of them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. It's always awesome watching um, your teammates do well because, like you said, it is. It does give you um, an extra boost. Um, and Fintan, you, you you kind of briefly spoke to us about the you know the COVID pandemic, and it's it's obviously a re- real difficult time. And when we chat to people, there's always sort of there are a lot of common things that come through, but then there's also these. It was a bit different for everyone, so. You know what? How did it impact you, and and you know how did it change the, the outlook a bit? Because obviously it, it gave you an extra year of preparation, and it's just you know every country had different restrictions, so there was a lot to manage. And I think you know for a lot of people, it was maybe a first time in their in their athletic careers where they've had to be forced to put the you know the rowing and hold all the countries and and whatever mandates you know had to you, it wasn't the the most important thing anymore so chat to us about the the covid pandemic and you know how did it impact you when it came down yeah i think yeah it was definitely a, a rough time for a lot of people um you know obviously not just rowing wise for for everyone um but like you said, I probably did look at it as, you know, an extra year to get faster 
and fitter. I think, you know, because I was quite young at the time, I, I felt like an extra year would definitely, you know, an extra year of training would definitely stand me in good stead for Tokyo. So yeah. I kind of went went into it with that mindset and it lasted about two weeks. Like I did a train like a demon for a couple <laughs> of weeks. And then was like, oh no, this is not a good time. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. Because um, we moved, so we moved home. Our our um our training center is based in in near kind of Cork City, which is about an hour and a half away from from Skibbereen. So we moved we moved back to Skibbereen, and you know you know doing the classic like Ergy in the living room and doing weights in the garden and stuff like that. And it was it was cool for a couple of weeks, but the novelty wears off fairly quickly when you're literally just rolling out of bed, getting on the erg, getting some yeah. food in. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear that. There's like an ice cream van outside my house randomly, but anyway. Um, no, we didn't hear anything. <laughs> Jeez. What's what's the time? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's half eight. It's to be fair, we, we, reckon, <laughs> we reckon it's probably like it's run by drug dealers, so it's, that's probably why. Yeah, I was just about to say. I think this is pro- probably a poor time yeah. to go out and get some ice cream out of track. I would yeah. highly <laughs> dissuade any from from it doing that. Do you need a Do you need a break to call the police? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, where were we? Oh yeah, lockdown. Um, so yeah, t- definitely took a bit of a uh, a step back during the during kind of it May to july i would say just because you you can't sustain any any good level of training i think when you don't have anything to to aim for so definitely got very Mm. unfit like we had a few we had to do a few erg tests and stuff during that i think we did a a 30 minute piece and it was just shocking but that was okay because um I think everyone was in the same boat, especially in our team. Like there was a few, I think I know the girls used to do zooms, zoom erg sessions and stuff, which probably in hindsight might've helped, but we just didn't really get on that bandwagon. We were kind of just doing our own thing, but I think it's, it kind of stood us in good stead in the end. Cause, um, once we got back, I guess we were a bit more refreshed. Like we did have the Europeans at the end of the, it was October, I think, to look forward to. Yeah, I was just about to get to that. And, you know, that must have been kind of low-key, a huge result for you, actually, because, you know, racing, you know, you race this, you race, you came from this period of racing under 23s, you got into the the double uh, world champion, obviously a lot of confidence, but then you were back in the skull for Europeans. And, you know, coming away with a bronze medal at a, you know, senior uh, event racing, the lightweight men's skull. And if we're being honest with ourselves, you know, it, it, most non-Olympic events, if, if we're being honest, not on, are not quite on the same level as Olympic ones. And I would, I would almost make an exception for, you know, the lightweight men's single, because that is probably the next, you know, one of disgustingly fast events. So for you to come away with like a bronze medal in the lightweight single there at Europeans, you must be pretty chuffed and, and confident with your personal ability and maybe a bit of reflection on the kind of growth that you've had over the last couple of years to, you know, land yourself on the podium there. Yeah. Yeah. I think after a, after a few months, I realized that it was 
quite good, especially considering like if if I am being honest, I was pretty unfit, <laughs> unfit going into that regatta. But um, mm. yeah, I think just at the time, I probably expected or like wanted more from you know from from myself just could we because we'd won the year before and I like thought I was laying the side down not not doing great um well I know not doing great like still won a medal but um I wanted to do better but then Mm. yeah hindsight it was pretty good like I was rowing really well which is what I was most pleased with yeah, so I mean, obviously that was that was a tough time, but then also just a a good time to get back racing. I mean, me and Jake were super excited to just see uh, racing again. You know, over over the whole year, it'd been so shitty, not having anything to to discuss and talk about. And I think it made the Tokyo Olympics really good because you know there was a lot of unknowns. There was a lot of you know we hadn't even seen the the Kiwis or the the um, Australians race at all. Um, but I mean, in the, in the lightweight double, you guys had obviously had this huge rivalry with the, the Germans going in, um, you know, over the whole season, you'd been, you'd been neck and neck and even over the whole, the whole cycle with you and the, and the Italians it had been really, really tight. What is the relationship between you guys and, and the Germans and yeah, does it, do you get guys get along quite well? Yeah. Um, I remember the, the first time. I say the first time I I spoke to the guys was probably after after Rotterdam and um in the, in the World Cup in 2019 and obviously like you know it's it's Jason Osborne he's like world champion world record holder in the single so I was a bit like holy shit like it's Jason Osborne but he's just like yeah. you know I think when you're coming into it from being like an under three and not having much senior experience it's it's good to just realize that they're just like normal people like Mm. um and not not just just those two either but kind of everyone in our in our boat class and in other boat classes too like we're all just we're all just doing our thing like training rowing every day it's there's no there's no big there's no big secret to yeah how how the big guns do it you know yeah it's just hard work and mm. and who can do it a little bit better i mean everyone is right at the top there you know there's not really much there's not a big margin between between the crews at that point it's just about who's mm. doing it like slightly better than the other than the others yeah i just realized i didn't answer your question at all there either <laughs> like the relationship between us and the germans is pretty good <laughs> um you know like we we send that message on insta and stuff okay and um yeah but yeah they're you know they're nice guys so we no, because i'm just building up to a question here jake because i want to know you know the the, okay, the athletes from skibberine they have a, a really good sense of humor and we've heard some <laughs> real pearlers come out uh from you guys and i mean one that really jumps to mind is uh is it the, the when the belgians tip in um in in Tokyo, then uh, Paul says at the end, "Yeah, well, they shouldn't have had so many beers the the night before." <laughs> so, what <laughs> when, when you when you oh, stand there, you 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 get in the the cameras there, the cameras rolling and the microphones rolling. What's the most outrageous thing in an interview you think either you've said or or or, or Paul has said? Um, because there there's there's so many polars. 
yeah, that's probably up there. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of take a bit of a backseat when it comes to <laughs> interviews, I feel. You know, like Gary and Paul were the real, uh, you know, the real word. <laughs> Trailblazers. Yeah. And, um, oh, man. I don't know if there's been that much or if there's been any, like, real real big ones like that in any interviews I've been in but the, yeah the whole thing with the Norwegians in I don't know if do you guys remember 2018 on Irish TV anyway um, it was hilarious the the lads were going on about um, you know going out on the on the piss with the Norwegians the night before the final and oh Christopher was Christopher was too hung over this morning he couldn't race because they had a sub in um, a sub in for that race and uh, so yeah, that was a bit of a joke uh, in the Irish media, anyway. <laughs> and has anyone ever like has anyone yeah, ever taken it badly, like or like message you guys like, oh, you can't say that, or you know, nothing, nothing like that. <laughs> nah, no, I don't think so. There's a lot of stuff actually around. I think after Lucerne, Paul was saying like we need to get bigger biceps or something. Yeah, because um, the Norwegians have pretty impressive biceps and a lot of oh yes lot of no people, they've got monstrous biceps yeah a lot of people kind of hopped on that bandwagon oh. but yeah nothing bad i've never had anything yeah. bad anyway but it's always in good faith and i think the I the rowing well. community is just in desperate need of some flavor you know in uh especially when yeah. it comes to to interviews and yeah i mean we enjoy it me and characters me and yeah. jake are we big fans so it's been really really cool to watch so we want to Jake, I don't know. Do you have anything you want to add there, or do you want to shift? I want to ask about the nutrition because we don't have, we haven't had that many uh, light rates on the show. Oh, yeah. So we kind of want to dig in a little bit of like, you know, the the weight aspect, ma- managing the weight, managing to to come down to you know nailing your weight. How close are you to to weight all the time, and kind of just dig into to those details a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be super interesting. Because, um, yeah, I think you're right. You don't really hear much much about it. Um, I guess, for me, uh, I probably am... It depends who I'm racing with. Like, for Paul, I had to go down to 69 kilos. So it was not a great time for me. <laughs> but uh, but um, I think it's the same for everyone. You know, um, if you are that bit lighter you're going to have to lose the same amount as someone who's a bit heavier anyway, just to get that, get that average. So um, I think it's, it's difficult for everyone really. I've never met any lightweight who doesn't, you know, who doesn't share in the struggle. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's a, it's a, like a whole art form. Yeah. It's different sport. I remember Jeremy, as you always used to say, Oh, it's a totally different sport. And it, it really is. Like our whole, you know, our whole race day and race weekends and the build up as well is built around like managing the weight and sweating down and weighing in two hours before and and stuff like that. And, you know, I think I'm I've been quite lucky in that, like um, we've been around Gary and Paul for for years and they, you know, they've probably got it wrong a few times or or, you know, could have done it better. And we've, we just picked up where they left off kind of thing. Like, well, not picked up where they left off, but we've kind of 
bypassed all that, like trying new things and yeah. making mistakes. So I can't say I've had any major disasters weight wise, but I've heard some horror stories. Oh, I was, we were lining up this, we literally typing on a little monitor to line this one up. You gotta, you gotta tell us the horror stories. Cause obviously we, we've, we've rode with lightweights, you know, John James, and uh we've we've seen <laughs> we've seen some pretty bad uh and heard from, from some pretty bad stories um yeah like nothing nothing major from from our team but you know you just hear of people like doing sweat down baths and like falling out of them and passing out before the race and and then there's the other side of it like um you see some italian guys like downing two liter balls of coke after the way in and just random stuff that makes no sense to you because it's not part of your process. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. lightweights just in general, that 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 element between like the build-up to weigh-in and then like what's happening from weigh-in to the race has changed completely. You know, like the... They, I've heard... Hard, we, we, cause I, I mean, we the team has been like dominated by lightweights, or at least South African rowing team, for a long time. So... You know, we had horror stories of like guys like putting on like eight kilos between like the the race and then like the two days time and the travel, travel. or like the, the the final or something. And then my favorite, uh, my favorite is the there was <laughs> I'm trying to think back, but it was a there was an, an Irish guy, but he was a, he's a it's a while ago though. He might even be a South African guy, but was Irish and his thing every uh, before weigh in was uh, a Guinness and a, a bar one chocolate that was his that was his his nutrition <laughs> and, uh, yeah that doesn't sound no i don't think that uh, that that good. was that was going to sustain him for very long yeah i think it's come on it definitely has come on a lot in the last um well i don't know how many years but it's it's uh you know you put a lot more thought into it about how you're going to get refueled and rehydrated and stuff because like realistically everyone has to sweat a bit unless you know whether you're sweating the night before or the the morning of like the plan has to be in place and i think it's nearly better to to sweat a bit more than to sit yeah. you know than to sit at at weight for so long cuz otherwise you're just giving away muscle mass and and all that good stuff so yeah i was going to that's one thing i want to chat to you about cuz you know, just for my, just from looking at light trace, the, the way they're training, one thing that I find ex- extremely difficult that I'm, I'm sure you have to work with is obviously when you're heavier, um, you know, by conventional uh, reasoning, you should be fast on the ergo. So like, how do you, how do you get the relationship right between like losing weight, getting down onto level, but maintaining strength? And obviously, the ideal is you want to get faster as you go throughout the season. So, how do you get those two things right? It's like how do you shed the weight, but still maintain the strength levels? Because you can't, you know, at the end of the day, you can't go into a race, um, you know, completely shanked, and because uh, you know you're going to end up on the on the wrong side of the, you know, on the wrong side of the coin. So, chat to us a bit about like, give us a bit of insight into how do you how do you manage that uh, relationship? Yeah. Um... I was actually talking to this, I think, about with my weights coach the other week. It's, um, I think the way we do it, or he kind of explained that um, during the kind of March, April, May time, 
where we're a bit heavier than we would be in in race season he said that that's where we kind of try and make the most gains like in the weights room because then when you're coming down you are going to lose a little bit of strength and maybe a little bit of power but it's not um you know it's not so bad you're probably only going down to where you were in january or february strength wise um and to be honest i don't even notice it that badly like you obviously come off the weights a bit leading into leading into regattas and stuff but i'd still be putting out pretty similar numbers on like the squat and and deadlift and stuff and by the time you've racing Um, you like you've come off the, the gas a little bit so you've recovered probably bounced back so you probably feel better as well yeah I think it's just making sure that you're getting rid of fat as best you can instead of just being not eating anything and being catabolic all the time and losing all your muscle and stuff like that. So like still still fueling for training because we're doing some pretty rough training um, in the weeks leading into leading into a big regatta. So there's no point, you know, there's no point not eating like you're going to need to fuel to do those sessions but it's just i guess managing the input versus output having a little bit of a deficit on the say like the high intensity days we'd have less of a deficit on than the you know maybe the long steady days you can get away with being a bit more tired there you know just kind of little things like that that end up adding up over four or five weeks Mm. and so then on the, um, yeah, because I mean, light rates are like ridiculously good at the like accuracy of their weight. So they can like, you know, be so precise on like to the, you know, to the gram almost on their, on their weight. How close were you and Paul to your, the 70 kilo average for the Tokyo games or, or the Tokyo final? Um, I'd say definitely waking up, not more than a kilo and a half over and then when you're weighing in is it like like exactly on 70 well 69, oh yeah weighing 71. in exactly on 69 71 yeah Jeez. pretty much you know we might be a bit like 100 grams or, or so under yeah because it was quite hot in tokyo as well so it was difficult enough to stop sweating oh yeah i suppose um once you get going then it's hard so to maybe on again maybe yeah maybe some days to be fair it kind of used to be Paul that was a bit under the 71. And then he'd be like, oh, you're fine. You don't have to keep going. So I'd get <laughs> away with a 69.1 or two the odd day. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, mm. that's fantastic. Yeah, because it, like, it blows my mind. Yeah. Like I can swing like, no problems, half a kilo. Like, don't even think about it. And then like the lightweights are getting on the scale. Like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to be, need another like 10 grams or 50 grams. And then I'm going to be on uh, on weight. It always blows yeah. my mind a little bit. Yeah, it just gets a bit obsessive, which probably isn't the best, you know, in the long term. But <laughs> we'll deal with that after rowing, I yeah. guess. Well, we've done. We we've dealt with our fish yeah, of cranky lightweights, so we understand. Yeah, it's just like you said. You know, Lawrence and I've got you a lot of respect from for the for lightweights and lightweights rowing. You know, because we we came from an era where at least in our country, you know, our lightweights were dominating the, the rowing scene. And, you know, the London, the gold um, medal in London was a huge catalyst and it, it did a lot to push the, the sport in the right sort of direction. So 
you know, we, we, you know, we come from a place where we learned a lot from the lifeway. So there's a lot of respect that goes into, you know, what you guys have to go through. And I'm so happy I was born way above the, the decision line where I can like mid eighties, like shit, maybe <laughs> if I really try this, I can get down to 70 because I'm really happy. I don't sit on that line where you kind of like thinking shit, maybe if I try really hard, I can get down there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's actually the same in Ireland as well. Like most of our, you know, big names in rowing have been lightweights. So yeah, there's definitely that, um, that respect there and that history, I guess. Um, you know, for a long time, mm. like the lightweights were always beating heavyweights and trials and stuff like that. So it's only the last few, it's only the last, you know, cycle or two really where we're starting to see some, some really good heavyweight men step up. So yeah, um, similar, similar situations. Yeah. So, I mean, it brings us towards the, the end part of the interview, Fintan, and you know, you know, you know the draw. When the end of the interviews, we have the the quick fire questions. So I'm gonna, it, it you know, to get roll through. through them. Hey, you listen to the show. You gotta like. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, I love I love the fact that we call these quick fire questions because they sound really, really. I like you know, quick fire questions. Fantastic, Lawrence. Good name. <laughs> but they are never. We never get through them quickly at all. But it's fine though, because I mean. You don't really want to, you know, you want to, you want to hear what people have to say. So the first question is, if you could race any boat class at the games, what would it be? Um, I think I'd say men's single if I was good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Got... There'd be no point, you know, I think that's a... doing it if you're a bit, a bit slow, I think. But yeah, I love training the single, love racing the single. So if I could, if I could somehow get fast enough to be up there, then I'd love to race single. Well, you have trailblazer Stefanos there setting the, the scene for you. So you just need a little brisk tailwind. Yeah, that's you, true. You're going to be right in the mix there with yeah. the big guns. <laughs> yeah. The, are you, you said you're going to, you're going yeah. to race Peluco now. Yeah, next week. And are you racing in the, in the, you said in the double or in the single? Yeah, we're going in doubles. I think we're going to do some swapping around between the the two days. Yeah. Okay. But we're going to do heavyweight double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, Jake's nice. in the single there. So you, if you were in the single as well... I'm racing the oh, single skulls at Peluco. Yeah, so. yeah you could have raced. Oh, <laughs> I was just about to start sweating, but yeah. Might change my uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm actually really excited because... You know, I've in the you know the the whole time I've been rowing. Obviously, I've just been doing sweep, and I haven't don't come from a sculling background. So, sculling is something I've picked up later down the line. And you know, it's always been something in the back of my my head that I've you know I'd always love to to race at some level internationally. And I finally got the shot, so I'm really excited to see you know what it's like out there. Yeah, I'm expecting. Uh, I'm, I'm not expecting, yeah, I'm keeping my expectations low, but going in guns blazing. So we'll see. I'm really excited to see how the racing goes. Yeah, fair. Yeah, I loved, I loved racing the single that summer. It's, it's really good. Um, but yeah, maybe aim low to avoid disappointment <laughs> starting out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it it's a brutal, it's a, it's a brutal event. So, you know, I'm, uh, 
I'm I'm going in and and I'm just mm. going to enjoy myself, see what happens to the that's best. If I can get that's if you get there, Yeah, that's if I get there. I'm getting there. So the next question that. is if you could choose three people anywhere in the world, anytime to row, maybe, I don't know if you want to row a, a quad or a four, but uh, who your your teammate's going to be? Um, yeah, I put a lot of thought into this one as well, but I think just because we've never done it, it would have to be me, my brother, and uh, Paul and Gary. Oh, that's a good one. Shit, that would be good. Yeah. Because yeah, we've, never, we've never actually to, done to it. World champs. Yeah. I think, like, we were planning on getting a quad together for um, Shanghai, you know, after... Or no, what, what was it? Remember the year of the Olympics? Obviously, everything got cancelled, but we were going to do the Olympics and then maybe try get a quad together for the World Champs that year, but obviously... Yeah, never happened. So, was not. What to did be. your brother say to you after you after you won in Tokyo? Um, there was actually <laughs> there was actually a, a an interview of him on the on the Irish news. He was pretty pretty well on at that stage, uh, alcohol wise. I think so. I remember <laughs> chatting to him a bit on FaceTime, but um, there's a famous. Well, I don't know if it's famous or not, but there's a video of him kind of photo bombing a an interview with my mom and dad on the on the tv he kind of just jumps in front of the camera like come on yeah, well, nice. yeah. that's so awesome so yeah that's yeah. fantastic yeah not surprising at all i think that's appropriate response yeah. to anyone who has a family member that just won a gold medal yeah and he knows as well because like he's trained beside us for however yeah. many years like he knows what's gone yeah. gone into it so i think he was probably just as happy as as any of us and i think it's like it's worse watching yeah. uh the race like we're sibling you know and you've you know you've been there like when i watched my brother race london it was like seriously stressful it was much more nerve-wracking than yeah you know like when you're racing like your nerves build up to the start and then once the gun goes it's you know it's guns blazing and it's it's go time and like you get caught up in the race whereas as a spectator you got nothing you're just watching it it's like the 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 stress is is way worse i find as a spectator than as a as an athlete yeah i i reckon so it was it was um yeah, uh, yeah i've seen him do some racing as well and you you'd be definitely more nervous looking on than when you're in there doing it definitely so and the the next question on the list is what is your favorite rowing race that you find yourself watching over and over again um it's it's probably i think sunita's final in 2019 that's good. Mm. or 2018 no, that to be fair i i watched them quite a lot um just because she's rowing so well and especially in 2019 as well you know she had a, a rough year so it was pretty cool to to see her still you know be able to go out and and put out a performance like that was unreal so i do watch that one quite a bit um i think there's probably some more you can't really watch the the rio lightweight men's double final very easily um i think you know, it's not on YouTube or, or World Rowing or anything, yeah, but any time like, I get a chance, I, I, like, a short I like looking back on that one as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, that, that was that was a crazy race too. That's a good one to watch, obviously. Because I was watching for, it. For the, like, Irish, the Irish supporters, the South African supporters, not too much. 
Yeah, yeah. Because I was watching it at home in um in Skib, so uh, um not very like I don't really couldn't really remember the race that well because everyone was just going mental. But yeah, that that's a really good one to to go back and watch as well. You know, it's also another really. Good I feel like there's race. probably loads more. Oh, there's so but, many. Um, but another yeah. another one that comes to my mind is the um, in Linz, uh, the B final of the Lighty Men's Double is also such a banger. It's really tied to the yeah. line for the those last few spots. Yeah, I, the Australians were were out ahead, I think, t- until the last the last few strokes. Yeah. But I think that day, it was just that day in Linz, the headwind was the headwind was pretty bad. So like there was people like flying and dying. There's people, yeah, you know, like I remember that. I think the women's pair, um, like Carrie and Grace were racing those Australian girls, and that was that was was a reckless race. And they again, yeah, that that was was outrageous. Almost that was similar to your race at Tokyo, though, where it's like it's everyone has got is a hundred percent in. Like there's no boxing match. No one is having yeah. a bad row, and like the the wheels are coming off. I mean, all three of those crews—the Canadians, the Australians, and the New Zealanders—are like properly fading at the end of the race. I think the the Canadians cross a lane. Um, the it's just like pain, pain in the yeah. last hundred meters of that mm-hmm. race. I think the the I'm I'm saying on the lightweight kind of trend, but. The 2014 Amsterdam final as well is is <laughs> way up there. It's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's way up yeah. there for sure. That was a crazy watch. A crazy one to watch from That's, home uh, too. You, yeah, that was that was a good the, one for you guys. The blooper. Did you listen to what uh, James and John said? If you stay around after the race, they're obviously waiting to see if they won. And James Thompson just led it all. Yeah. The way. What yeah, did he they, say, Lawrence? He's like, fucking uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And like they, I think they so even it was, edited because uh, it, it used to be like, because like there's like a pause in the commentary, and then James is like just swearing in the background, like obviously as he saw yeah. his, the result come up, and then when you go and watch it now, it's like it's still there. You can still hear it, but it's like they've made it a little more subtle. I they've think. dumbed it they, down. They they they, they, yeah. they 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 dropped the volume a little bit, which was really funny. Out. No, I definitely. I definitely remember him shouting yeah. after the race. So I'm pretty sure it's still there in some capacity yeah, anyway. for sure. And then actually in that race, there's mm-hmm. a really cool James has this uh, picture. I think it's taken from like the, the grandstands or just before the finish line of them like coming towards the finish line. And then you can zoom in and you can see on their stroke coach is like a 126 or something on the on the stroke coach. Because they, they did not do what you guys did. They were slow at the start they were only coming with the thunder in the in the last little bit they they did crazy yeah speed. i'll get james to send it to me he'll send me the screenshot and i will we'll post it up on our, our instagram um but it's something ridiculous yeah. looking at the stroke coach yes well 126 is pretty brutal yeah. all right so mm. Uh, you know, we went off. We went off a bit of track there on uh, on the the quick fire questions. But you know, going, we're gonna stay. We're gonna go back to the the Irish theme. Last time, um, we we did uh, Irish names, and today we're gonna ask you for a limerick. Do you have any? I'm sure, you got like fifty oh, in your back pocket. Um, you know, just to roll them out. Is is that? 
is that the one where there's like three three lines yeah like what, Come on. what? that's what? like yeah. uh, <laughs> that's like, like that. i thought that was no, like you no. know every every i thought it's like to to come of age you have to like uh you know, list the, you have to make your own limerick. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> okay, well, we'll come I'm back sure to that I... one. We'll let you, we'll let yeah. you think. Yeah, maybe it's come a back. Five come line, back. It's a five line. It's a five line. Yeah. And, and Google, it says it's frequently rude, comedic five line uh, rhyming okay. scheme. So the, right, um, the next on. one, we'll, we'll let you come back to that one. We'll get stuck into, if you were in charge at World Rowing, what did you change? Okay. Um, I think number one would be that new website. Like, <laughs> it's got to go. <laughs> yes, thank you yeah, for saying that. It's, it's terrible. Bring us the old one back, please. Yeah, man. Like, I'm one of those, like, rowing nerds who needs to, like, see every single split and result and everything like that. So when the new when the new website came in i was having a nightmare like oh it's like, so bad life over kind of thing but <laughs> yeah bring back the new website yeah and, at least give us an option um, like if you want to go on the new you can go but if you want the old website yeah go through this link yeah 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 definitely um we were we were chatting about it today as well actually and i think if if world rowing organized like the after party at the world champs it would just make life so much easier and then you wouldn't have you wouldn't have like people going different places everyone would just be in one place and it would be great so yeah that finton coming with straight facts yeah Yeah. (laughs) so that would be that would be another thing and obviously keep lightweight rowing yeah Um, yes thank you that's another big one definitely keep it yeah, so they're my they're my top three. Yeah. Jeez, those are good ones, actually. Then the those are good. Those are good ones. The spirits that we're drawing that listen. It brings to the us to you can, uh, you can go change make some oh. changes, <laughs> So the the next question is is the one that you know everyone likes to 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 know about, and it is what is your your best time on the two thousand meter ergometer? Okay, it is six oh six point eight. So not bad. Yeah, we got that's not bad. We got uh, we we don't have a lot of lightweights on on the yeah. on the row show, so the the lightweight ladder is a bit lacking. It, it definitely, I'm definitely down the list on the on the all time scores, but um, do, that's you, okay. You do take the 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 spot as the fastest lightweight we have on the we've had on the show though. Smash James oh, Thompson and and cool. my brother. Put them to shame. Oh, what are they? Six sixteen and six seventeen. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So, so you 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 yeah. ride up there and then you slot in. I think you beat uh, two of the heavyweights. Will Carhill from the um, Oxford Eight. Uh, I'm trying to think what year that was. 2018, 2019. 2018. And okay. One of our old rowers who turned coach, uh, AJ. You you equaled him there. Six or six. Oh. I'll yeah. tell them tomorrow. Okay, sweet. I uh, know I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. And yeah, you beat. Oh well, we gotta yeah. we gotta get some more lightweights on the show and build build the you ladder. Beat all the the, the heavyweight yeah. women. Oh, nice. Kim, Kim <laughs> Brennan, Barely, probably. Yeah. Kim Brennan comes, you know, within 10, 20 seconds of you. So 
She's not doing too yeah. badly. See, there was there was a, a time where Sunita, me and Sunita had the exact same erg score. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, so that's crazy. It just, way. yeah, I think it's just, yeah, but yeah, it just goes to show how, you know, ridiculously strong Sunita is. She's just next level, um, next level rower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So the last one, the last um, question is if you had to choose a different sport to go to the games, um, what sport would you choose? Um, I think I'd go Winter Olympics speed skating. Winter Olympics. Um, speed I don't skating. know if you. Nice, good choice. Yeah. We don't. We don't know. We don't know much. I know what speed skating is, but Lawrence. Obviously, I, don't I think know. Well, I didn't this, know. You'll, you'll have to describe. I didn't know much about it before, but this. Um, I don't know if you you guys have heard of it, but this this speed skater. Um, I think his name's Niles or Neil yeah. Vanderpool. He's from. He's from Sweden. Yeah, he just put out this this big like training manifesto because he he has all these world records and stuff, and he basically just wrote this document being like, someone else break my records, I'm done. And just told everyone like his training and stuff like that, and it's it's pretty brutal. But I think yeah, I think it it's it seems cut from the same cloth as rowing in terms of you know training and stuff like that. So I feel like hopefully I wouldn't be too bad at it. Yes. Or failing that, maybe like a a middle distance run, like an eight hundred or a, a fifteen hundred. Can't choose two. We are we only have for the okay. the top answer. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, speed skating, speed skating. So it is. I'm locking it in. The, the, Jake, you tuned me for speed skating, speed but skating. speed skating <laughs> has one of the best um, stories ever from the Olympic Games where it's that Australian guy where he's the semi-final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he didn't do any training. He was just living the, his best life in the back. No, it was yeah. the yeah, final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the final. In the semi-final, everyone crashes ahead of him and he goes everyone through. Everyone fell, yeah. And then in the final, I remember that. everyone crashes again and he goes through to win. He was and not even making wins. the final, and he won Olympic gold medal. What a I've legend. seen that video. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. it is crazy. It is crazy. So that's yeah. that, that's but, good. Um, you can also so you can train really hard and see if you can win, or you can gamble it all on on lack of the yeah. of the ice. Yeah, sounds a bit like rowing with the Tokyo <laughs> Crab. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds about right, but yeah, that brings us that brings us to the end of the interview. Fintan, thanks so much for giving us your time. Uh, it's obviously been great to to chat to you, and uh, yeah, all the best for you know the 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 rest of the season and whatever the future holds for you. Cool, thanks for having me, guys. Cool. Was there was there anything we missed? Yeah. Anything you wanted to to add on that you thought we were going to ask? Um, I don't think so. We never we never got around to to talking about the stroke coach situation. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. We have to, maybe we have to say that <laughs> we have to chat about that stroke coach because Lawrence even said to me one of the talking points before and he was like, we have to ask about the stroke <laughs> yeah. coach situation. So, um, yeah. yeah, we were just kind of um, going down the course. Obviously, it was terrible, terrible conditions and you know when you like hit you hit a wave and your hand it kind of like knocks your knocks yeah. your hand down so it knocks it down and then when i go when i go to take the catch it just 
kind of like my knuckles caught the bottom of the the speed coach and just knocks it into the knocks it into the water so we were rowing we were rowing along for probably like five or ten strokes and um like paul just kind of takes a few looks because he said he told me after he was like oh what has he done like is is there an oar <laughs> there an oar broken <laughs> like, like what has he done and then um it was like oh man it was like the matrix or something he just he just stops grabs it i it didn't even look like he was looking at it he just kind of puts the hand in grabs it flicks it back into the boat and then i think i might have taken like half a stroke to keep the boat going while he while he did it and then we were like straight back on it it was crazy no it was but for the for the longest time after I like refused to accept that it was me who did. I was like, no, there was a wave came and like knocked it off, the, <laughs> knocked it off the mount. Yes. Um. Yeah. Oh man. So, crazy. So crazy time. Did that was that was did you, crazy to did watch. You, like next races, were you still tying it on? Because like obviously you had looped it in there in case that happened, you wouldn't lose your stroke coach. But then like obviously going forward. Yeah. Oh no, like, I was every race since. Uh, since that any race i wrap i wrap the the string around the mount like five times so that if it does come off it'll just kind of like just be hanging there it won't it won't go into the water. i feel like i would have then free balled it so that it would just go if it if it goes it goes <laughs> yeah fair i could do that as well yeah shit that's funny yeah and it's quite it's that was your first race in the in the double yeah, as well. Exactly. So, well, your first regatta at least in the double. So you're like, "Fuck, I can't fuck this up. Yeah, I need to get this thing back in." But uh, at the same time, yeah. like, of course, of course, this happened. Yeah, the first, you know, the first yeah. the big race. Like, um, there was a lot kind of on that race as well because it was kind of a situation of if you know if it doesn't go as planned or if we think we, it might be faster then they were going to retrial it so we actually did end up doing another trial after after Rotterdam because Gary did quite well in the single of that regard I think and we obviously didn't win so we did another we did another race and thankfully it went okay and we were the double for for Linz again shit well that's that's a crazy story about stroke coaches but also on the same page incredible composure but I think that wraps it up, Fintan. Um, yeah, uh, it's been awesome chatting, and I think we've uh, we've had a great great chat on the row show. Got a night, another another lightweight. We've uh, well, I've been looking to get a, a a lightweight on the show for a while now, so yeah. it's great to to chat to to one again. Cool. Yeah. No, th- it's been it's been great. I can't believe like it's it's happening. I've been <laughs> listening for so long. Um, it's weird. It's like surreal. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. cool. Well, we we're glad that you're awesome. you're a huge fan, and yeah, hopefully we keep uh, bringing up the the good content for you. Yes, I'll have to um, I'll have to sign off to the Patreon now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here we well, go. Anyone... That's how we that's how we that's how we get them hook line and sinker. <laughs> yeah. Guys, thanks so much for listening and huge shout out to you guys getting the show out there. You know, share it word of mouth, get it on the social media feed. Special shout out to our Patreons out there. They would have listened to this episode a bit earlier than the the normal feed. And, you know, if you guys are interested, go have a look and 
let us know what you think we you know the patrons are the heart of the show and you know we've got a lot of um we've got a lot to be thankful here yeah thanks so much guys and yeah if you're not part of the road show also just thanks for listening thanks for sharing the show and yeah enjoy your your week and hopefully we'll have more episodes for you soon and we're out Oh, that's so good. I love how we're roasting John nice. and James. Oh, man. Dude, I cannot wait for them to listen. <laughs> also, some other people, some randoms, like, if, not the patrons. The patrons, I think, will know. They're all... Yeah, they're going to think we're such dicks. Pat- like, you would think your fellow countrymen <laughs> would be more sympathetic. They will understand. But, like, some random guys that don't even know who James is, they're going to be like, what the fuck are these talking about? Because <laughs> they won't even... Some people won't even realize that James... Yeah is South African or that he hold the, hold the record or like they won't know anything. They'll just be like, what is fucking happening here? Which I love. Because I wanted to say something to explain yeah, no, it. And then I was like, no, don't. It's going to be much better if you don't if you don't say anything. No, I think it's yeah. better if you don't explain it. And then I think it will it'll force yeah. people to do some like inside, you know, trying to work out what's going on. And I think it'll be even better when they figure it out because <laughs> it'll be quite funny. Okay. Let me stop this recording.